Hi, it's Mari Soul, your rebel guide to living a life of freedom abroad, bringing you an episode of Roaming the Now, where entrepreneurs, coaches, and mentors come together to give you a behind-the-scenes look at the real and raw experience of setting out to a new country and building a life and business abroad. Make sure to like and subscribe to Roaming the Now. Enjoy! Hello, and welcome to this episode of Roaming the Now. It is truly a reflective day on the podcast as there's going to be a bit of a role reversal. Today, I am so thrilled to have my friend and mentor, Julia Armet, here to interview me. Julia is a transformational leadership coach for socially conscious professionals. Her company, Hire Playbook, facilitates impact initiatives for the workplace where people are able to deepen their connection to themselves, each other, and their work. Julia's true gift for seeing and reflecting people and her powerful ability to create safe space is why I asked her to be my interviewer. I can say personally, Julia is a virtual mirror that can help you deepen and showcase your self-expression in a way that is really, really powerful. So I'm handing this over to you, Julia. Thank you. I honestly am so proud of your courage to come here today and really speak your truth. So thank you for asking me to be the interviewer. And really, thank you for having me hold such an intimate space for a conversation that I know a lot of people will benefit from hearing. How are you feeling? (laughs) Well, this is definitely a topic I know a lot of people have interest in. And a lot of people Hmm. have asked me about and I have shared to the degree that I wanted to share about about it right and I know that from our conversations you know specifically when you were watching me go through this you had said to me like when you are ready to share like you will share and so now it is time to share like how do you start a new life after a divorce like what does this really look like absolutely and Thank you for really approaching me when the time was right, because we've we've been connected now for a few years, and I was there in the moment when you made that life-altering decision to divorce. And so today's conversation, Healing Through Divorce, is going to move us through that journey. And as I hold the space for you, I want to highlight something. I, I mentioned courage. And the word courage comes from the Latin root heart. And one of the earliest definitions of courage is to speak one's mind by telling all one's heart. So as you really come from your heart, I want to invite you to be as vulnerable as you choose to be. As I hold this space, I'm curious if there's anything that I can do to really create the safety for you to express yourself. That's a great question. I I really feel that, you know, just follow my energy, which I know you know how to do. Um, and, you know, I would say, and like this is really important for anyone listening, Julia is one of like the people that I really feel seen in my entirety, you know, by, and I have always felt safe with Julia. So I think that that's something that plays a big role in why Julia is here in this like powerful moment to share my story, as well as like speaking from the heart. I feel like one of the first people who really I 
allowed to see me and actually truly has seen me in my depth and full expression. So I do feel safe with you. You're such a beautiful person and you're here right now in a way that I know as you authentically share, so many people are going to get to know you even more. So I really am excited to really open up new layers of conversation that potentially you never touched on. You're looking at the other side of this conversation. What do you see is on the other side of our talk today? So definitely for me, my own healing, right? And I've said this to you. I said this to you in one of our sessions when we were working together, we heal in community and we also heal when we share because our words are energy and energy is emotions. And so for me, it feels like, feels like that, like a big, just emotional <laughs> release um, to have just the time and safe space to process like what actually happened. Because in true, honestly, like I'm still processing it. It's been two years since I made that major decision and there was so much that happened and so much movement. And, you know, now that I'm at a point in my life where I can be still, there is still some processing to do. So I am still a little soft and as I like to call it like squishy in some spaces around it, but I know that we heal in community, we heal when we share. And so it's really important to me to do that. It is so important. And I know anybody who's listening today who has experienced the life-altering decision of divorce, or even anyone who has experienced the disintegration of a spiritually significant relationship, anyone is able to hear your truth and see themselves. So be soft, be squishy, and really share at your comfort level. I want to really begin the conversation looking at the whole picture and looking at not just the divorce, but the marriage itself. I feel like we can't look at a divorce without looking at the marriage and the meaning and significance of the relationship. So when you go back to being 21 years old and deciding to get married at that time in your life, what did that marriage represent for you? Yeah, so that decision and that marriage, when I really reflect back on it, was a decision made when I was living with my head. So it seemed like a smart decision and it seemed like the thing to do, right? Following the safe path. Um, you know, I chose to do it a little bit earlier than some of my peers, but I mean, that's kind of the script, right? You know, you have the, the good job, you live in the city, you find the person, you know, you get married. I was just following the script based on what was shown to me and what society was saying, this is what you do. Yeah, I, I think you grew up very quickly. And so at 21 years old, you already had experienced so much of life's hardest challenges. And so to be 21 years old and actually understand the significance of time because of some of those life-changing moments that you experienced early on, I think it makes perfect sense that you were at the age of 21 already looking to move through the script that so many people would probably take another decade to move through. Were there any moments in your early childhood that you feel influenced your decision to get married young? 
You know, what's really, really interesting is as a child, I never had the dream of getting married. I never had the dream of a fairy tale wedding. I never, that just wasn't something that I thought about as a child. Truly, when I was a little girl, what I thought about was starting an organization to help people like me and what I, what I was feeling in that moment with losing my mom and all the chaos that was happening around me, like, and doing that on, on my own and, and paving my own path. Like marriage was not at all anything that I thought was going to be something that I was going to do when I was a child. Wow. So it almost came as a surprise being really 21 in the city, meeting someone. How did you know that that person would be the person that you wanted to, at that time, spend your life with? Yeah, I think speaking really honestly, I had this illusion that if I got everything right materially, right? Like when I say materially, like, I mean, if I got the money right, if I got the, you know, perfect on paper partner, right? If I got just things right, that it would fix me. Um, because I really, I'm going to be really honest, was so emotionally broken. And so I was seeking so much stuff outside of me to fix me or to, to like feel like I was fixed. So I thought like, oh, you know, this seems like the smart thing to do, right? Like, you know, entering into a marriage, you know, it seems like we have the same, you know, goals. I'm growing in some ways. And so it just, as I said, it was a head decision that was coming from the things outside of me must be able to fix me, right? But obviously, as we know, that's not true. <laughs> it was it was very much coming from this, I think, quest for wholeness and Perhaps at the time you didn't understand that it could have been a codependency, but it is evident to me that your higher self was clear that wholeness was something that you really cared to create in your life. I'm curious if you know the concept of pre-birth planning. I don't. What is that? <laughs> it's, it's the notion that we plan our life's challenges before birth. And all of it is in the name of love and in the name of growth, not just for ourselves, but our soul group. So you can look at the soul group, potentially the people who are in your intimate family it could also be the people who you decide to have significant relationships with. So I'm curious if this relationship were a part of your pre-birth plan, how would you say it impacted your soul's evolution? Yes. Okay. I've never heard it presented that way, but I'm familiar with it in the terms of tikkun from Kabbalah. So I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> um, so it's really interesting because I have actually had conversations around this, especially during the time that the separation was happening and the relationship between me and my ex-husband was very karmic. There were things being corrected. And like to say this in a way that there had been an imbalance of power in many of our lifetimes together, mainly me being the one whose power was being taken 
for their game. That, that's essentially the gist of the story. And so the work really in this life was to, as I call it, step away from that karmic pattern, from that agreement in a way that truly was an integrity with both parties. Because to not get too deep into it, the way that the relationship had ended in, in the lifetimes that we've had together wasn't necessarily of integrity or of the most like balanced way, I would say, you know? Wow. It's, it's really profound to be able to be such an observer to realize, okay, the meaning of the relationship, not to villainize, not to use words like good or bad, positive or negative, but when we actually look at karma, karma is all about balance. And to think about the flip where you were able to restore your internal balance, a moment saying, I'm no longer going to be in this dynamic, but I really want to break this soul agreement. I really want to rewrite the life script. That happened a few years ago. I remember it very profoundly. It was back in 2021. And you were so raw. And I I, I just remember how you were clear and you knew exactly the next step, but you were so raw. So if you could bring us back to the moment where you recognize that you were no longer going to be in that dynamic, but you were ready to create a life you love. Tell us the picture of that scene when you decided that it was time to divorce. Yes. As you can see, my eyes are getting watery because this is still an emotional point of time. I, I, I just remember returning back home from Mexico and realizing that I had seen truth. I had seen what was available to me if I decided to make a decision for me. And as you just touched on, it was really raw. It was really painful because it was realizing that the decision I needed to make was not only going to impact me, it was going to impact another person. It was going to impact, you know, immediate families. And it was really going to turn everyone's up, like life upside down as they knew it, right? Like, you know, I think I remember the conversation when we were still in the midst of like separating or not staying together, things like that. And we were walking, talking about like a Christmas vacation. And he had said to me, like, I don't think we're actually going on Christmas vacation this year together. Wow. And yeah. And I think that for me, it was really, it gets painful to know that sometimes the best decision that you have to make for yourself does hurt another person. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's really, I think, so hard to do things that you know could potentially hurt someone and do things that could potentially, I think, cut off opportunities that you deeply care about. And in that moment, that grief 
and that that knowingness that okay you had a better life on the other side what what allowed you to be able to move forward in that moment even holding all of the weight of that that obviously was just your empathy for him and also your recognition of the changes that would be happening with your life yeah you know whenever I think about this um it really was just this it was just this like basically kind of knowing in my heart like knowing in my gut that like I have to do this like there is no there is no trying to make it work anymore there is no going back like you know what is for you and if you deny that to yourself you're going to be miserable and you're going to continue putting yourself through suffering that you don't have to yeah getting to that moment where the suffering of the past is no longer possible to sustain and like you deeply know it I'm curious if you received any spiritual messages or guidance or was there anything significant that happened that really guided you yeah so in thinking about this so there was this trail where I lived at the time in Orange County Back Bay and I used to wake up really early like 6 30 in the morning and I would just go and I would sit on a rock and I would just be with nature and I remember during that time so many hummingbirds would come and I would watch them and they would come super close and I would spend time with them And then all of a sudden, like honeybees would start landing on me. And I used to be terrified of bees. Like you have no idea. And so it was like, it was like me, you know, knowing that I'm making this super honest, it's a big, it's a big decision to to decide to get a divorce. It's, it has so many impacts and not only emotionally, right, but physically, it really changes your entire world. And it was like I was being supported by these like little messengers of nature. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I love how the symbols have evolved over the years because there's been the hummingbird, the bees, the butterflies. So um, yeah, I think it's amazing just to pay attention to the signs. I want to start moving into the part of the conversation where we talk about not the decision, but rather the evolution. The healing process really begins once the decision is made. And there's so much grief. There's so much nonlinearity to the process of healing. Before I enter into this part, I want to just highlight something because the way you're showing up right now and how raw you are and also how clear you are you prepared for this conversation. And one of the ways that you prepared was through a playlist. So I'm curious if there were any songs on the playlist that really allowed for you to return to the moment and connect to the memories. Yes. So Water Under the Bridge by Adele was definitely a song that I listened to a lot. Rhiannon definitely was a song that played a really big role and I think unconditionally right like during that time like the original playlist 
were songs that really like spoke to me as well as um she sets the city on fire right like there was like so many of those like from the past playlist but when I think about life now and the one that I was listening to I think the first song home um you know obviously we can link these songs to share and then also the last one of home and price tag um that one was really speaking to me yeah it's, it, was, it was really interesting to just see um how it's changed and I think you know the song fix you by Coldplay when I was listening to it just really kind of made me realize that I'm finally at a point where you know that song like I feel like they're talking about fixing someone else right but it made me realize that like, at this point in my life it really is just about not even fixing myself, just healing myself and really being focused on my own journey. Yeah. I I know that people appreciate your depth. Like people really speak about how deep you are. But the thing about those songs is we see the range. It's not just about the depth, but your emotional range, I think is the byproduct of how much space you've held for your healing you really know the contrast and it took time it definitely is still an ongoing process walk me through some of the steps you took to consciously heal once once you decided and the decision was made what were some of the steps that you can really recall that were a part of the healing journey yeah well I mean I obviously sought out mentorship and support I think that's something that I just want everyone to know um as someone who did experience a lot of complex childhood trauma and still struggles with asking for support um hiring support to help me go through this or even just asking friends who knew what I was going through really like at the raw level and being like hi can I call you I really just need some support through this was like a number one thing um I worked with Lana a lot to heal my inner child that was like the beginning stages of healing my inner child um like I guess that was kind of like getting my feet wet when I worked with Lana um and then I think really just you know I started going through my trauma informed program and the first four months of that was actually healing you. It wasn't about other people. And that was really when I was able to deepen into connecting with my inner child and really just seeing all the hurt and all of the fears that were causing me to show up in relationships that were really rooted in codependency or manipulation, right? Um, and you know, that's, that's its own process and its own pill to swallow. And then I started setting the gene keys actually the past six months. And, and I started to understand why for me, like the deep emotional work, the shadow work, it shows up in relationships. So actually relationships are like my portal for some of the deepest work um, that I can do healing wise. And now like being in partnership and being in that experience again, and just seeing some of the same patterns resurface and, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like, things are obviously different, but there's a level of work that you have to do to really create a different relationship 
Um, and I think first things first is you have to understand your own patterns. And, and for me, um, based on like my genetic, my genetic, my gene keys, like my sphere, it's all about not forgetting like what is important to me because I have had a tendency in the past to lose myself in relationships, to lose myself in, in their idea of what they want. Um, and to not really stay focused on what's important to me. So I actually literally on my, like in my office, sticky note, I look at every day, like, don't forget what is important to you. And that's really what is, I would say like the most profound part of this journey now is while it is beautiful to have, you know, partnership and, and be in a relationship, it's it's about not forgetting what is important to you. And I feel like society right now is showing us this model of like, you're my person and like, we're like sandwiched together and we have to do all these things. And, and it's just like, there's so much enmeshment, codependency. And for me, it's been learning, like when we can find the balance of I'm walking my path and you're walking yours and we have our moments where we kind of go in and out, like, that interdependence, it is possible, but it takes a lot of work, <laughs> a lot of work with both parties. Yeah. As you just spoke about the journey of just holding space for yourself and just focusing on you outside of relationship and really went into that process, it sounds like there were a lot of years where you didn't prioritize what was important to you. And so, so much of the grief is potentially lost opportunities or lost years or lost moments where you could have really taken care of your inner child. And as you were talking about that, I couldn't help but think about this concept of discansos. And I don't know if you know discansos, but I can talk about it more if you don't. I don't know about it. What is it? So in the Southwest, you will see on the side of roads, crosses, and their demarcations of unexpected deaths. And you can think about these mourning sites as points in your own life journey where there was an unexpected loss or potentially a missed experience or potentially even the little daily routines that you can no longer have or the relationships that no longer are supportive of your highest good. So if you think about the specific moments in your journey and those moments or resting places where you wanted to pause and hold space for, what specific memories come up? Yeah, you know, as you say it like that, I feel really like I am this individual who came here to like die and be reborn a lot of times. And I know that when we talk about death, like everyone always thinks about it so physically, right? But um, it's really, it's not that, um, you know, especially through being able to experience like Temescal here in Mexico, it's a traditional like sweat lodge ceremony. The whole idea is you go inside and it's dark and you can't see and it's super hot and you're being held in the mother's womb. But the whole significance of this is to die and be reborn again. And so when I think about like the catalyst moments of my life so far, and to be honest, like I'm young, I'm only 26, I'll be 27. 
in December. Um, I always have to remind myself of that. But I, I really feel it all started with, you know, my mom was diagnosed with cancer when I was five. World changed. And then it was going through that journey of slowly seeing someone fight so hard to stay alive, but it just wasn't going to happen. And to see someone go through that, you're not the same. And then she passed away. My mom died when I was around eight. I was turn nine. And, you know, I, I mentioned this in, in something I wrote, like, I think it was a week after, I don't know, it was a week that she died or, or something happened. I just remember having ice cream for breakfast. And I realized that my life was never going to be the same, you know? Um, then my dad fell into his own, like, coping mechanisms using alcohol. And so then it was kind of really, I was on my own. And then my brother was just, like emotionally my brother was 15 so it was just a very different experience for him he had more time I also just think we're all made differently right so his experience coping with that was to check out to basically pull away from you know me and my father also my father was in his own pain he was in his own coping mechanism and then there I was at home by myself and I think like there was that period and then I realized when I was on the brink of teenager wise, like I had so much rage and anger and pain, I didn't know what to do with it. So I started partying because that's what, you know, I was already kind of, I was more mature for my age, right? I didn't have parents supervising me all the time. And then, you know, I got really into that. And it's interesting how as, as reckless and as rebellious as I was being, there was always kind of a part of me that was on the course, right? Like I didn't flunk out of school, right? Like I did quite the opposite. I actually enrolled in college really early. I enrolled in college when I was 16. I got college credit, high school credit at the same time. And I just like excelled. I did really bad in high school um, because the environment was just not suited for me. You know, I was being treated like an adult home. So being in an environment where I was treated like a kid. Uh -huh. So like that happened, right? And then... Yeah, I mean, I was still, you know, I somehow got pulled back into that group of friends that were, you know, partying, doing that thing. And then, you know, subconsciously, I made a decision that had, you know, ramifications where I was isolated from that group. And then I moved to San Francisco. And then, you know, it was a whole, it was like a whole new playing field, right? Like it was a whole new opportunity to to redefine who I was or who I was going to be, what I was going to do. And then, you know, I, I always say this, like I'm not really a person who goes out looking to be in a relationship. I'm a person who kind of just minds my business and I want to, <laughs> like consciously I want to be alone. <laughs> But um, now that I know what I know, like relationships are really like my learning ground. Like it's the best game for me to play to like learn and how to like deepen into myself. But I mean, even just thinking about like San Francisco and then getting married and then burning out. And then again, I decided to just leave. I was like, you know, everything, like this is not sustainable. I have to go. So then, you know, I left. I went back to Washington, COVID hit. And then that was the whole more, I would say, like spiritual process of getting into yoga, becoming a certified yoga teacher, really tapping into understanding like what are the signs of life and how are they speaking to me? 
and following that. And then that's what led me to IPAC. And then that's what, you know, kicked off all of these things. So I would say, you know, my entire life has just been an, an, a succession of events that require me to kind of die metaphorically and be reborn. I'm not, I, I wouldn't say that I think I have like, um, obviously I have a choice, but I would say like my spirit and my soul is just very resilient. So it's always the opportunity to, to reinvent myself. Yeah. I feel like there, just in the memories that you expressed, there was this pushing forward or potentially a fight against the authenticity that we're now seeing expressed just in the way that you live life. And so as you really took that time in that work that you did, the trauma healing, to just reflect on the past and hold space and essentially put to rest old patterns, I feel like a lot of that grief was repurposed. And you wrote something this morning that I read, and it was all about gratitude. So as you let go, what were you able to let in? Yeah. You know, I think as I let go, I was able to let in my own self-love. I think that's the most important thing. Um, I was able to let in things that I just never think that would be possible for myself, right? Um, I made a joke with my mentor who I worked with last year, right before the houses came into my life and and more homes are actually coming into my life. <laughs> and I made this joke that, you know, our, you know, testimonial wise, so we can say, you know, when we work together, I always find a way to acquire real estate. And I say <laughs> jokingly because, you know, the work that I do with my mentor goes so much deeper than that. It is so much, you know, emotional, deep shadow work. And, you know, I really think it's not even thinking, it's more feeling. I think as I've let go, I've been able to receive things that I didn't even, like I couldn't even imagine would be possible. And I, I feel like that's the whole point is that when we heal our trauma, which is actually never really fully healed, it's always a constant work in process, but we just have the awareness to do things differently. And then we can get out of being in survival mode and we can feel safe and we can really just tap into the possibility that life presents us and we can change and know that it's okay that I'm changing. It's safe to change because like it's naturally what we are designed to do. If we think back to history, like humans have always evolved. Yeah. Your, your ability to just relax and sink in and essentially be at home can't help but see that theme of really being able to be at home with yourself and through just that safety and having those basic human needs met, you can actually tap into some of the higher order needs and actually evolve and pursue the things that you love. So if you think about how your life has evolved since the divorce, what are some of the significant changes that you'd like to celebrate? Yeah, well, I think Number one is I'm finding my self-expression again in terms of not really being afraid to write what's on my heart. And if you do follow me on Instagram, you'll see in a lot of my written posts, I am expressing myself. I'm not really holding back. I am really expressing my stories from my heart and I choose to write what's on my heart. And, you know, when I was a little kid, that was something that I actually wanted to do. When I was a little kid, I wanted to be a teacher and a traveling journalist, which is 
kind of ironic because that's what I'm kind of doing now. <laughs> you totally are. <laughs> Different mediums, awesome. but but that was actually what I wanted to do. And it's interesting because, you know, when I think about the traditional school system, you know, when I told everyone I want to be a traveling uh, artist, traveling journalist, I they told me it was going to be so hard, it's so competitive, it's so this and that. And it really just like discouraged me and, and basically, you know, it's just like I inherited beliefs that weren't mine. And so like, that's kind of lame when I think back to it, but I would say celebrating self-expression. Um, I would also say I have like the coolest dogs. <laughs> the children. <laughs> yeah, I heard I the children barking. Did you, what? I heard one of the children barking probably a few minutes ago. Oh, yeah. The, they come through sometimes on the podcast when they want to be noticed. Yeah, I have five shallow screen clays, um, two without hair, three with hair. But my dogs are just, I love them. I really do love my dogs so much because they teach me so much about myself. Um, and they also teach me about just asking for what you need unapologetically, right? Like Jasper. <laughs> he wants your love and attention and he asks for it like with like just fully and I noticed at one point that it was like irritating me and I was like why is this irritating me and I was like oh it's because I want to be able to do that I want to be able to ask for the love and attention and and like that I desire to receive in the moment and just like do it unapologetically right um I would definitely say my life here in, in Mali Nalko, you know, I've been here almost a year, um, settling down in roots and finding community and, and just life showing me things I hadn't like, really, I could have not planned, you know, <laughs> like, and I'm just kind of going with the flow and following mostly just what brings me joy. I would say the biggest gift is having the internal safety to trust that what is showing up for me. And what is being presented to me is an option. And if I feel the tug of joy, then follow it. But if I don't feel that tug of joy, then it's okay. You know, not everything is meant to be followed. And sometimes I have followed those things and I've just learned, okay, it's not for me. And that's okay. Like, it's really, I think, just a lot of grace and compassion for the experience of, of this life and of my journey. Yeah. I've seen just the level of self-trust that you've cultivated over the past few years and the way you describe the compass of joy and just the ability to make your own choices. I feel like that's such a byproduct of the divorce. If the divorce was the first moment of really being able to trust yourself and that inner guidance, every decision thereafter, I feel like over time, what you've done is created that internal safety and that deep trust in your decision-making. So I celebrate that. And I think for anyone listening, one thing that's emerged in this conversation that it strikes me, and it's, I think, important for anyone who has never contemplated divorce as a possibility, or if you're just in a very entangled relationship and you don't necessarily know how to get out of that pattern, to realize that a break in the relationship isn't the destination, but rather it's an opening. And once you create that opening, just like Mary Soul, being able to use that open space to recreate your life strikes me very much just to see how 
the moment in time where you put to rest the marriage, allow for you to keep progressing forward and letting in things that really bring joy. So if there were a message that you could share to anyone who is presently on the cusp of a separation or a breakup or a divorce, is there something that you'd like to share with people who are listening? Yeah, I I definitely feel like the thing that you're most afraid of is the thing that you need to face. So if it is scary to you and you're feeling that fear around leaving, it's definitely something that, you know, that is kind of how the world, the universe communicates to us. The thing that we are the most afraid of is the thing that's actually going to unlock our greatest potential. And this is actually not only applied to relationships, but anything. So I just, anyone listening to this, like know that. And I also think that, you know, when I feel into it, the biggest part of my journey that has really helped me is that as long as I accept myself and love myself, I'm not alone. And this came up in a conversation yesterday. I don't know who I was talking to. Actually, I'm not quite sure where this came up, but I remember saying this very adamantly at, in the midst of the divorce from like, or the separation, you know, cause the divorce is more the legal, you know, paperwork part, but amidst the separation and this decision, I remember saying very vividly many times, I would rather be alone than be in the company of somebody else and be miserable. And I think that, yeah, that's, that's really what it is, is that, um, you know, I'd rather be alone and in peace and enjoying my own company than being company that is just not for me. And obviously, you know, it's going to take time. It's going to take a lot of patience with yourself. It is a lot of grief. There is a lot of pain. But I think as you somewhat touched on, it is, it's turning that pain into purpose. And I feel like that is a gift that I've naturally had my entire life of turning pain into purpose. The death of my mom, the difficult experiences I had as a teenager, going through like the divorce, you know, my own emotional like struggles, I've had this gift of turning my pain into purpose. And I see through my work one-on-one -on -one with people but that's also what I help them do. It is the alchemy. But you just got to understand that like when we go through this emotional alchemy, we are going through the rebirth. And there are some, you know, whenever we die, it's painful. It's There's grief. But just to know that what's on the other side of that is something that you literally just can't comprehend with where you're at right now. Like you have to follow the path to see it. Yeah, you definitely have a gift for helping people navigate the depths and also a gift for being able to see the light and allow for people to see the light too, to be able to hold on to that. So um, I think it's really special that you are positioned in a way where you can be healing yourself while you work with people, because I think people are mirrors and just like your partner is a mirror, your puppies are mirrors, I'm a mirror, your clients are mirrors. And it's important that if you're listening right now and you're seeing Marisol as a mirror, that 
you can actually get curious and ask yourself the key questions. The question that I feel like um, anybody can ask themselves, but I want to ask you, and it's a question that I think we can think contextually about, but I'm going to just say it. I'm going to say it very purposefully um, in the context of what today is. Marisol did mention, but today is the 18th anniversary of her mother's passing. And my question to you is, if you could write a love note to your eight-year-old self, what would that note say? It'd probably be, I'm really proud of you for being so strong when everything around you was falling apart and you're really, really special. And I don't want you to ever forget that. And I want you to know that you know, you are so worthy and you are so cherished and valued in ways that you don't know. And just to hold that, you know, for the rest of your life and really just trust that even if your mom isn't physically here with you, she, she didn't abandon you, you know? And I think that that's something that has taken actually a lot of healing work for me to do. Um, but I think it really is just, you know, I'm really proud of that younger version of myself. You know, she showed up with so much strength and grace the best way she knew. I mean, wow, like incredible, like, you know, that nine-year-old version of me and um, to just, you know, you're special. That little version of me is, <laughs> is still me and she's so special and she did so many amazing things even after her mom died and she still was resilient and let herself be seen and expressed herself and did her best and, you know, there is a part of me still that is that nine-year-old that I, I tap into a lot because <laughs> she was just so unapologetically herself marching to the tune of her own path. And I definitely am still doing that today. So I have a lot of gratitude and a lot of respect for the younger version of me. Yeah. It's amazing to see how just over the past few years, you've returned in that closeness to that younger part of yourself. It's almost as though you've rediscovered those parts of yourself that just knows how to unapologetically express herself and enjoy life. And I see it on the smile on your face right now. Is there anything that you feel you want to express before we close out this conversation? Anything else on your heart that you really would like to share in this conversation? I feel like I want to to end it on the whole be you, do you, for you. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to provide some context to that? Yes, okay, share, share, definitely share. Okay, so when me and Julia were working together and, you know, we were working on my, my mission and, you know, my business and, like, what it was that I was doing in the world – you know, she summed it up as it really, like, it stands out to me, you know, those pictures that you see, well, there's this one that says, be you, do you, for you. And I feel that that message is just so simple and so powerful, because it really is just about like owning all of you, being all of you, doing all the things you want to do for you. And that's one of the most powerful stands I think that we can make, especially in the world that we're living in today, where the world is just trying to put you in a box, but some of us <laughs> don't want that. And so I really encourage you, if you put yourself in a box or you find yourself in a box, you have the opportunity to break it, but you are ultimately the only one who can set yourself free. Beautiful. 
I feel like that was just the perfect ending to this conversation and just the perfect empowerment. You're at a moment right now where you have a difficult decision on the horizon. Be you, do you, for you. It's all about honoring your heart and living a life that allows for you to fully express things that are important. Thank you so much, Mary Saul, for the opportunity to hold this space with you. I said at the beginning, but I want to reiterate, I'm proud to witness you, to see you owning your truth in such a public way. And um, yeah, I love watching your journey. So I am just thrilled to be a witness and um, appreciate you. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you. And I appreciate you being on this journey with me. Um, yeah, I think it's really special to, to be able to have someone who saw, who has really seen me in the entirety of this process, like come and be the one to hold the space for me to share a story that I know has played such a pivotal role in the way that I show up now and the way that I am seen now. So Thank you so much. I'm sending you a virtual hug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. Thank you, everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. You can subscribe to Mary Soul's channel, Roaming the Now. And to connect with Mary Soul, what's the best way for people to connect with you? Yes. So this is like such, this is such, I'm actually really happy I did this role reversal. The best way to connect with me, everyone, is just to visit connectwithmadisoul.com. Um, I'll drop the link in the show notes. I will also be dropping Julia's information in the show notes. Uh, I rave about Julia to a lot of people because if you are someone who's really wanting to look into yourself and to see how to best showcase the work you do in the world in the most authentic way, then Julia is your person. I actually refer to Julia as the Oracle. <laughs> so. Thank you. <laughs> I love that. So yeah, thank you all. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And until next time. Until next time, this is Mari Soul signing off from Roaming the Now. I hope that you are enjoying wherever you are in the world. Thanks for catching this episode of Roaming the Now. If you have not already, make sure to like and subscribe. And as always, wherever you are in the world, I hope you are enjoying Roaming the Now.